0: Welcome to the Scrum.org Community Podcast, a podcast from the home of Scrum. In this podcast, we feature professional Scrum trainers and other Scrum practitioners sharing their stories and experiences to help learn from the experience of others. We hope you enjoy this episode.
1: Hello, and welcome to Scrum.org Community Podcast. I'm your host, Dave West, CEO of Scrum.org, and I'm very excited. Uh, it's somebody that I've spoken to a few times on other podcast platforms uh sander uh from uh, calling in from the netherlands he's a professional scrum trainer with scrum.org hello sander
0: hello dave thank you very much for having me how are you doing
1: i'm i'm doing well all the better for seeing you or at least talking to you um so let's just kick this off right you know where it all begins tell can you tell the audience a little bit about yourself and maybe add something a little bit fun in it so that, uh, so that people can, can relate to you a little bit. Sandra. All right.
0: Um, I live in the in the Netherlands. I work for a wonderful consulting uh, organization. Um, as you said, we, uh, we've been talking on different podcast platform. I have my own podcast called mastering agility. I write a lot on medium as well. Um, I really enjoy just being one of the latest PSTs in this and this wonderful community, uh, because it really goes to my heart. Um, Yeah, where to start? There's so much to tell about this entire journey. I'm not sure where you want to start, Dave.
1: Well, we are going to get to that. But what about something fun? What do our listeners, would they be surprised about Sander What Anything surprising?
0: Anything surprising. I used to do, I've done, let's say, eight years of professional ballroom dancing, and I forgot everything. I have zero sense of rhythm. (laughs)
1: <laughs> the dancing scrum master you had yes, yeah first. please
0: skip that as soon as possible please forget that as soon as you can but i've done well, i've been doing that for for a really long time when i was a, was a bit younger and i had more hair now we're we're in the in the aerodynamic dynamic part of the organization right when it comes to hair but when i had a lot more hair I used to do ballroom dancing, but literally I forgot everything. I used to get really nice grades at the end of the, the season in the exams, but everything just went away. Oh, well, that's
1: that's unfortunate, though. They, they say that I'm sure given the right motivation, it would all come back. Wouldn't it? oh, maybe I'd that's, look to, that's look to see that. Maybe we can do a few steps next time I'm in the Netherlands. So um, as you sort of alluded to, the purpose of today's podcast is to talk a little bit about your journey um, to becoming a professional scrum trainer but before we talk about you becoming a professional scrum ta- trainer let's talk about your journey to scrum i think that's always a, quite an interesting quite a, an interesting story so um how did you get to scrum where does it go how did you how did you first come across scrum
0: oh that's a that's a great question i i did my my majors during my uh my studies in it information during at the part of the um Computer sciences at the University of Amsterdam. And I was studying that because I wanted to become a project manager. I always felt this these people, these project managers had a had some some form of a status. They looked nice. They they drove in these, these nice BMWs, and I wanted that. So I pursued that. And I started to work in that as a as a project PMO, project management officer. And part of that was to be instructed how to be work with Scrum. Uh, the first thing that my teachers told me at that point was, we're going to talk you into common sense, to thinking common sense. And apparently these days, common sense is one of the least common things that has remained. Um, but that was my first introduction to Scrum. And I got certified as a, as a professional Scrum master back in, I was I think, by heart was 2015 or something like that. Um, just fast forwarding it a little bit uh, I had a burnout ultimately because of the motivation that I, uh, uh, that I was just discussing. Apparently, focusing on status and money is not the best thing to mm-hmm. work as, a, as an intrinsic motivation. Um, and then I pursued a work with a therapist and a burnout coach. And we, we really had to reconfigure where does my energy come from. And ultimately, this would be being a scrum master, helping people develop. Um, there is one person, and for some reason, I can't remember his name but he told me you work you spend about a third of your life working make sure you have a job that you enjoy else you'll just be wasting 33 percent of your life and that really resonated with me that stuck with me and now we're here me being a scrum master still and a professional scrum trainer and still my holiday my my work my job feels like a holiday every day ever since
1: that's nice thank you for your vulnerability there sharing uh your 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 burnout and and how that how that affected you and took you on that on that 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 career change as it were so so what attracted you to scrum you know you you've learned traditional project management you know taylorism gantt charts per charts all that kind of stuff critical path analysis you you obviously learned that at university and and practiced it for a few years Uh, What really made you, what what was special about Scrum?
0: Well, compared to all the other approaches, this feels a lot more natural. Like this, if you look at it from a more holistic perspective, this more feels more like evolution in itself, right? We inspect and adapt and ever since the beginning of well, basically any, any form of life, they have been evolving by survival of the fitness. And that's I feel that's kind of how Scrum works as well. By inspecting and adapting to an ever-changing circumstance to ever changing circumstances. Um, I think it it just resonated with me. It felt so natural.
1: Yeah. So that empirical process, um, sort of attracted you the fact that it ultimately by making things transparent and visible, that allowed you and gave you the team and, and you as the Scrum master, the ability to, to, to change where you're where you were next going your next destination as it were that yeah. continuous process of, of change yeah uh, looking it,
0: at all the things that you were just mentioning like the, the Gan charts and then following that plan it felt so weird and almost awkward to just blindly drive into a single direction without inspecting what's going on without other, other options that we have how we can improve and need what what do we learn and how can we use that uh, not doing that felt just awkward. It didn't feel right.
1: Mm, interesting. That make, makes a lot of sense. And I think the, you called it common sense, which isn't that common. I think sometimes, I don't know if you see this, but as a trainer and as a as a scrum advocate or an agile advocate, you often find that you compete against those biases and those those underlying ideas that are very uncommon, really. They're like the opposite of that. Um, how can it be this simple as it were? Yeah. All right. So you fell in love with, with scrum and maybe other things as well, but you fell in love with, with scrum, you then decided to become a trainer, which is not just about being a scrum master though. Obviously it's a fundamental part to have played this role and executed these, these accountabilities to, to become a professional scrum trainer, but why did you decide to be a trainer?
0: Uh, that goes back again to what I learned during my burnout to really help people have more fun in their work, be more engaged with their work, um, and just create more happy lives. To be honest, I'm making more of a dent. I felt just not not to put a Scrum Master down, but I felt being a professional Scrum Trainer would allow me to have to to engage with my own learnings from that burnout to impact more people's lives and help them grow. Uh, that was the whole reason why I started working with scrum.org and becoming a professional scrum trainer.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that, that it, it does certainly gives you, uh, an, increases your amplification as it were around that. So scrum.org, obviously we focus on professional scrum and, um, you have been exposed to professional scrum and other forms of scrum throughout your, your career. Talk a little bit about professional scrum and how, what that means to you.
0: Oh, there are so many angles to this. Um, I was talking to one of my friends earlier today where you could see a toxification if it were, if you want to call it like that in a lot of organizations where they say they're doing scrum, but basically they're not, they're not using empiricism, those three pillars of inspection, transparency, adaptation. They're not using the scrum values, uh, they're not using the purpose of the events behind it to really inspect and adapt, uh, move forward, deliver uh, valuable, usable parts of working products to their users, as well as limit risk and manage risks, if you will. Mm. I think that's that's the biggest difference between Scrum and professional Scrum, really incorporating the mindset behind it, the way that Ken and Jeff intended it to be uh, using it to grow, to learn, uh, not just for a product in itself, but for you as a person and, and for you uh, collaborating with your team members and with a certain, the certain the direct surroundings as well. I think feel that's the biggest difference. Can can we
1: I lean in a little bit about that? You as a person using Scrum to help you become better at your craft and as uh, maybe better as a human being. Can you talk a little bit about what that means to you and how you've seen Scrum help you out, you know, as as a human being?
0: Well, that goes back to what you, you thank me for being open. And I think there are a lot of people or more, a lot of organizations, let's keep it like that, that do not value uh scrum values like openness and like those kind of things uh, as they should be as they could be using them or um, embracing them to make a more humane workplace i feel this, people are still being treated as resources like my computer mouse is a resource a person you can just swap out it has effect on emotions um and I think that's where you come in to play as, as a person, how Scrum affects you as a person. Those Scrum values really help you open up yourself. And it's really easy to talk about work, right? About the tech, about hardware, about those kind of things. But as soon as you go into people's desires, people's motivations, people's fear, um, any of those more touchy-feely aspects, it becomes really scary for a lot of people. But if you work with those, and really employ that professional scrum It helps you develop as a person and not just the quality of the product being delivered, but it helps you grow as a person.
1: Hmm. There's a, uh, I, I was writing a Ford for a book today and I wrote um, trust versus risk. You know, most organizations and most human beings, I think would rather always err on the side of risk <laughs> rather than trust. And, and I think what Scrum teaches us is to balance that trust teams for two weeks, a sprint, right? And you know it sort of manages the risk because it puts such small chunks or batches of, of learning, batches of delivery, and it helps you increase that trust, which goes across from being a human being to the way in which your, your team is trusted in terms of the organization, to the, the relationship you have with your clients and stakeholders. I think trust is an interesting, you know. That's what you made me think of when you were you were talking. And I think trust is an interesting thing. It's a vicious Um,
0: cycle, what you call there and what you call out there, right? Trust versus risk. Well, if you take the risk not to trust, you're just going to create more risk. Yeah,
1: exactly. And you don't necessarily uh, so scared to do things, you end up not doing anything. or you end up actually producing something that has 57 features because you couldn't, you, the risk of missing one was such a, uh, a big one, right? Or missing one part of the market, which it men- means that nobody wants to use the product because you build exactly. a product for everybody. Yeah. It, it, this trust versus risking is, is, is really interesting and something that I think that ba- bears a lot more study and conversation. Um, um, and and it's it's amusing that you brought that up because I was thinking about that earlier earlier today. So, you know, we're we're sort of we want to keep these uh, podcasts short because you know sort of to support the idea of you you know walking the dog or ironing your shirt and have the opportunity to, to listen and, and learn uh, just 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 a, a little. So so to finally, I'd love you to tell our our listeners. You know, in terms of when they attend your classes, or when they spend time with you working on Scrum and learning from you on Scrum. What do you think the biggest takeaway? What's your objective? What are you focused on helping them understand? What is your sort of like your your product goal, which is doesn't totally fit, but that, that sort of idea of the goal? What what? What's different about when you do something with with these people and what they're trying to, what's the outcome that you're seeking?
0: What I love, not just about the courses that I teach, uh, but just the way Scrum.org has created these courses is, uh, let me com- make a different comparison. I've been teaching a lot of different frameworks just to make a good opinion of myself where I want to dig in and Scrum is the, re- the, the one that I really want to become good in and why because it's not about me. Those courses are not about me teaching stuff. It's about me helping others uncover what they already know or how they can learn. And I think that's the biggest part of these kind of curse- courses. I'm not there to be there. I'm not there to teach um, people stuff specifically. They possess all the knowledge. They possess all the skills. I'm just helping them uncover. And that's, that's for me, the biggest joy of teaching these courses.
1: Wow, that's quite deep. I think uh, a guide to self-realization and maybe some terminology and tools to make those ideas work. I guess that sort of sums it up really. That's yeah. uh,
0: it's it's good to speak the same language throughout the organization.
1: yeah, makes up, makes a lot of sense. Sandra, thank you so much for spending the time with us. Ladies and gentlemen, we're listening to Sander Der from the Netherlands um, and a professional scrum trainer here at scrum.org, um, sharing his journey to scrum and his journey to becoming a, a professional scrum trainer. Um, thank you so much for spending the time today. I really in, enjoyed it. I also, you know, some interesting little things Though we spent a lot of time together. You always learn something new every opportunity, right? So thanks for your time.
0: Thank you very much for having me. I enjoyed it.
1: And um, thank you for listening, everybody, uh, on the other end of this podcast. This is Dave West, your host here at uh, scrum.org community podcast, uh, wishing you all a, a good goodbye. Bye.